Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to Work Thrive, a podcast for ambitious women cultivating thriving careers. And I'm your host, Katie Glenn. So let's get started. Hey guys, it's Katie and we are back with another solo episode. It is a new month. We are still in quarantine, but I'm really hoping, and I'm sure I'm not the only person, that's hoping that this is the season finale for COVID-19 and the opportunity for us to slowly integrate back into society will be there when it's safe to do so. So please, I hope that you're continuing to stay safe and that you're still practicing social distancing. So this week has been very interesting. I don't know what it is, but some of the days felt a bit offish. The weather wasn't as great, but we made it. We made it through. We made it to a new month. One of the things I repeatedly got asked about, you know, following launching the podcast and receiving feedback and collecting feedback was, a lot of questions around how do I stay motivated? You know, how do I practice self-discipline or how do I remain consistent in my commitment? And how do I care less about what people think? All these things. And so I did some thinking and some digging and I really wanted to share in this episode what I think of the three things and the three ways that we sabotage our opportunity to succeed and to grow as individuals and as women. And so the first thing, I'm going to dive straight into it. So the first thing is perfectionism. Yeah, I said it and I'm calling it out. For me, perfectionism has has been a part of my journey for a very long time. And I always say that I'm a recovering perfectionist. I haven't mastered it, but I've really been able to see it for what it really is. And so I'm going to go straight into the dictionary definition. Perfectionism is a personality trait characterized by a person's striving for flawlessness. Experts define it as a combination of excessively high personal standards 
and overly critical self-evaluations. And so, in effect, perfectionism really is just a mask for the fear of failure and the feeling of inadequacy. And one of the things that I realized was when our self-worth is attached to our work and our achievements, we obsess with doing things perfectly so that we can feel good about our identity and how we are perceived by others. You know, we grew up in a culture where, you know, I'm a perfectionist is a compliment. I'm a perfectionist is, you know, it's this backhanded weakness that makes us feel good, that we obsess over details. And so I want to talk about some of the ways that perfectionism robs us in life and in work. First thing, it robs us of the ability to make real progress. Here's the thing, perfection, it creates a facade of progress. You think another iteration of this project is is progress and it's not. You're actually behind. At the end of the day, done is better than perfect. If you've delayed it, that's not progress at all, period. (laughs) You know, and we try to trick ourselves, like I'm making it better by obsessing over the details, but you can't move forward if you aren't willing to move. And perfectionism says that you're not ready. This isn't ready. You're not good enough. This isn't good enough. And so you insist on waiting for the right moment to launch, to step up, to show up. But the reality is because perfectionism is an illusion, it doesn't exist, that right moment doesn't actually exist. And so you can't make real progress because you're not actually moving forward. One of the other things perfectionism robs us of, it is the sacredness of time. One of the things I started to look into towards the end of last year was procrastination and what it really is and why people truly procrastinate. For us in this generation, there are a lot of reasons why we procrastinate, from our low-key addiction to our smartphones to chronic self-doubt. But I had a good research and I looked into what some of the psychologists were saying. Dr. Tim, Dr. Tim Pickle, a professor of psychology at Carlton University in Ottawa, defines procrastination as this. Procrastination is an emotional regulation problem. It is a coping mechanism to dealing with anxiety, boredom, insecurity, self-doubt, and more. And so I kind of thought, okay, what does this have to do with perfectionism? And I realized in having these excessively high standards, what we do is we wrestle more with self-doubt, anxiety, frustration, and all these insecurities. And so we end up delaying doing a task. We procrastinate. We tell ourselves, you know, we'll do it tomorrow. When tomorrow isn't really promised, because we're so afraid of failing and we're afraid of not being perfect, we delay things that need to be done so that we don't feel as overwhelmed and we don't test the waters of not being perfect crazy, right? But the thing about procrastination is tomorrow isn't promised. And should tomorrow be given, we've already robbed it of its complete freedom because we couldn't commit to today's tasks. So now your tomorrow is filled with all the things you should have done today. 
if we're really honest, a lot of the things that we procrastinate on doing, we do so because we're afraid that it won't be good enough when we do it, or we don't know where to begin, or we're afraid of failing at it, or we're afraid that it won't look like how the other person has done it. That, my friend, hello perfectionism. Another thing that perfectionism robs us of is the opportunity to learn from and embrace failure. At its core, perfectionism fears failure, and so it robs us of any opportunity to get things wrong because we're obsessed with getting it right, right? But perfectionism wants right first time, but how often is that even possible? For me, Failure is access to new and valuable information. Let me say that again. Failure is access to new and valuable information. It is an opportunity to pivot, to adapt, and to bounce back and build resilience. When you nurture perfectionism, you make failure an enemy rather than your ally. And instead, you make fear your companion. How far can you actually go afraid? Think about it. When we think about the people we admire, all we really see and focus on is their success. But if you look closely, you will see it was the failure that redirected their steps and placed them on their path to purpose. Let me give you some examples, just so you're clear. Denzel Washington. He was flunking out of school and was forced to take time off. And it was in those few months that he discovered and tried the arts. We know where Denzel is right now, don't we? Okay. Bill Gates. His first company, Trafo Data, went bust. The Bill Gates. Think about it. And our favourite, the Oprah Winfrey. Oprah was demoted from news anchor to a morning talk show a way to relegate her into a lack of existence. But it was on that talk show that Oprah truly discovered her gift. And that talk show eventually became the Oprah Winfrey show and became the number one talk show in America. Think about it. All these people that we admire, think about the person or the celebrity or the success story that you admire. And instead of just obsessing over their success, take some time to investigate their failures. Take some time to understand what what are some of the things and what are some of the ways that they struggled and how did they bounce back from those failures? If they were obsessed with perfectionism, who's to say that Oprah would be Oprah? Who's to say that Denzel would be Denzel? And who's to say that Bill Gates will be Bill Gates? And if you continue to be obsessed over perfectionism, who's to say that you will be who you truly want to be? So how to deal with perfectionism? These are some of the ways that I have dealt with my own perfectionism. First thing, redefine your self-worth. A lot of our behavioral patterns are products of our childhood and our childhood experiences. And so it is important that you start there. Take inventory of the story you believe about who you are and why you are here and why you're so obsessed with being perfect. Whose love or attention did you desire most growing up? How were you treated? 
How did you feel as a, as a teenager? How did you feel as a child? What is that story that you tell yourself about your self-worth? Have a look around. Whose standards are you emulating? Who were you subconsciously trying to prove yourself to? To really move beyond this, you're going to have to really dig deep and it's going to be very uncomfortable. But it's the start of dealing with this perfectionism. So you can define your self-worth outside of winning all the time and achieving all the time. Second thing, you need to reevaluate your personal standards. Once you understand where the idea of who you are comes from, who you've been living for and why you've been living, then you can decide on what you want, what you want your life to be about and how you want to show up. If you want to be a beast and do quality work, pursue excellence, not perfection. The difference, excellence is about results. Perfection is about appearance. Excellence takes practice and excellence come with a lot of getting wrong so that you can eventually get it right. And excellence also understands that good work is better than delayed work, which is what perfectionism is. Excellence says this is quality product. This is value. This is good. This is result. Whereas perfection, it just doesn't exist, does it? At all. And so the third thing, honour the deadline commitments you make to yourself. Every time you delay a decision, a project, a launch, you build a rapport with yourself that you can't actually follow through. And that becomes muscle memory. And eventually it's normalised in your brain. It becomes a habit. And you and I both know that breaking it becomes harder each time it's repeated. So the first thing, when you say that you're going to launch that blog or you're going to launch that podcast or you're going to get X, Y and Z done by a certain date or you're going to launch that project or you're going to share that project with your colleagues by X date, commit to that date. Stick with that date. Don't obsess over that date and move forward. Fourth thing, normalize failure. Make failure a part of the journey. Make it less about how you're perceived and move about the progress you're making and the lessons you're learning. Lighten up, try a new recipe, be horrible at something and laugh about it. You need to realize your humanity and embrace it instead of obsessing over trying to be the perfect human being. Such thing does not exist. Finally, practice self-forgiveness and self-compassion. The pursuit of perfectionism makes no room for failure and no room for self-compassion and self-forgiveness. When you haven't done something or you've missed an opportunity or you've seemingly ruined your routine, take a step back, re-evaluate, forgive yourself and move forward. There is no point beating yourself down. You get to decide whether or not you'll beat yourself down or you will lift yourself up. And only one of those things will get you where you need to go. So, perfectionism. The next thing that stands in our way, and one of the ways that we sabotage our ability to move forward and to build success in our lives, is that 
And this is a very common one. And I think it's a very subtle one because people don't often realize the difference. But focusing on motivation instead of cultivating self-discipline. Let me just explain the difference in dictionary terms. Motivation is the enthusiasm to do something, the means of stimulating the desire to act. Self-discipline, however, is the ability to correct, regulate and control one's self. Here are the key differences and people often get them so confused because they are, they are focused more on maintaining motivation. You hear it all the time. How can I stay motivated? How can I stay focused? But here are some differences and I really need you all to get this. First one, motivation requires inspiration. Discipline requires commitment. Motivation stimulates enthusiasm. It ignites a fire. How many times have you watched or listened to something that have had you pumped, I mean pumped, to move closer to your goals, but very shortly after, the excitement diminishes? Take New Year's resolutions, for example. Only 8% of people actually achieve those resolutions. But come January 1st, Everyone, I mean everyone, is inspired to do something new or to move closer to their goals. Why? It doesn't take a lot to be inspired. No real action is required of you, nor is any need for a commitment. However, discipline requires a commitment to a goal that goes beyond feelings. It goes beyond fire. It is about commitment. Discipline creates a new personal standard. It creates a whole different standard for the way you want to live. Most people find that they have goals, but no real standards or values that drive their lives. And so it's harder for you to be disciplined than it is for you to be motivated. It only takes stimulation for motivation to occur but discipline requires a very deep commitment and so a lot of people focus on trying to maintain motivation rather than how can I be more disciplined with my life or with my choices that starts by making a real commitment not just something that you write down at the new year and you say okay this is what I'm gonna do mm It really requires that you sit with yourself and you redefine who you're trying to be and how you're trying to show up and what is important to you and why it's important to you. Second thing, motivation is fleeting. Discipline is consistent. Let me share with you, Matty James says it best. She says, I am more disciplined than I am motivated. Motivation is the cherry on top of execution. It feels good, but cherries aren't always in season. Discipline is because it always produces fruit. Let me just say that last bit again because that was good. Motivation is the cherry on top of execution. It feels good, but cherries aren't always in season. Discipline is because it always produces fruit. The thing is, you can't always stay motivated. That's just Unless you're a tree with no feelings, with no real experience of no real life experience or anything like that, you will find that life will get in the way of you maintaining motivation. And so this is where 
practicing and cultivating self-discipline comes. It takes practice. It is intentional. It is consistent effort to consistently find courage to show up. Even when you don't feel like it, the thing about discipline is you won't always feel like being disciplined. That's why That's why it's so important. That's why it's so consistent because it's not reliant on how you feel. Whereas motivation, it's about how you feel. And you've got to go beyond trying to feel connected to what you're doing all the time. Sometimes that connection won't be there, but you know in your head, you know in your heart, you know in your soul that you need to get it done. And that's the point where you've got to get to be. And that takes time and practice. And finally, motivation is about the moment. Discipline is about the lifestyle. Motivation is always about how you feel right now. It is a sudden burst of energy and inspiration that is very hard to maintain. Because of its nature, there always has to be some sort of incentive to keep motivation high. Think about it in work. Maintaining employee morale and keeping organizations or departments motivated is hard work. And you'll find that the people who climb out on the top are the people who are connected to something that is bigger than the incentives. They want something more, a certain lifestyle, a certain goal, something beyond the incentive. It is the same for things like, take weight loss, for example. Studies have found that people who exercise and diet solely for weight loss for a period of time are more likely to regain the weight after. Why? Weight fluctuates, period. And if the change is only temporary, it means there was no consistent lifestyle change. I mean, for me, most of you know me personally would know that I really enjoy working out and I really enjoy eating well, not because Um, Not because I'm, you know, watching my weight or anything like that, but because one, it feels good for me. And two, I want to be able to, in 10 years, thank the Katie that I am now for the work that she's put in. You know, that's my focus. It is a lifestyle. It is a lifestyle commitment that I've made that my health is an absolute priority. And so even if I don't want to work out, I'm going to do it. Even if I don't want to eat the same thing, I'm going to do it because that is more of a priority for me. It is not about the moment. It is about the lifestyle that I'm building for myself. And so you ask again, how can I be more disciplined? First thing, build your commitment muscle. Start by finishing one thing. Every time you flake on a commitment, change plans, start something, but don't really finish, your brain remembers it. And in time, it'll become your new normal. I said it earlier, not finishing things become muscle memory. You do it without even thinking twice about it. You have to start exercising that commitment muscle. If there is something that you know that you've started, Go through your files, go through your brain, go through that inventory and go and finish it. And following that, stop making promises and commitments you don't intend on keeping. It is important that you honour and keep your word to yourself first. Your brain registers 
everything that you communicate. When you tell yourself that you will do something and you don't follow through on it, your brain registers that you're not capable of doing that. And it makes it harder to follow through on the next thing. So that's the first thing. The second thing, get clear on the life you want to live. 10, 20, 30, however long years, months, days from now. Honestly, as much as I enjoy working out, and I've said it earlier, yes, it makes me feel good, but I really want the 30-year-old Katie to thank the 20 and 21 and 22, 20s for the work that she's put in, whether that's in my health, whether that's in my career, whether that's in my relationship. Understand that every choice that you make right now will become either a reward or a consequence for your life, days, months, or years from now. And it isn't too late to reset. It isn't too late to start over and redefine what you want the rest of your life to look like. But know that every decision that you're making right now, you will have to live with one way or the other. And I don't mean for that to sound harsh, but it is very much a truth and it's very much a reality. You get to decide what your life looks like 10, 20 years from now. That is the most freeing thing because it is your choice and you get to choose what that looks like. Third thing, build systems and opportunities to make it easier for yourself. For me, there are no secrets to success, just systems. If you want to achieve greater self-discipline, you've got to make it easier for yourself by creating these systems. What do I mean? If you want to wake up earlier, stop sleeping with your phone right next to you so you can hit that snooze button. Put it across the room. Leave a nice little note on it so that you can actually feel empowered to get up and get moving. You want to use less social media? Delete the apps off your phone and use it only on your laptops. You want to save more? Automate your savings every month. Cancel certain subscriptions that you're not using. Create systems that will help you navigate discipline better. Fourth thing, accountability. Invite the right people to navigate your goals with. The people you surround yourself with will have the most influence in who you become and how you show up for the rest of your life. Find a few people that can help you accomplish your goals. WorkThrive is here because I have friends and accountability partners who called and listened to me flesh out ideas and set deadlines and they checked in on me to make sure that I was getting things done. Find people who want to see you win and are willing to help you navigate that journey by holding you accountable. The people that you surround yourself with will either help you or hinder you from becoming the best version of yourselves. Again, you get to choose who those people are. And the final thing that I want to cover in this podcast about the ways that we uh, sabotage our own journey and success is our inability to practice patience. Yeah, I said the P word. We hear it all the time. Success doesn't happen overnight. And yet, how many of us would very much like it to happen tomorrow? Or let's be honest, right now, 
right here, right now, I'll be the first to admit that I've been there, done that, I've got the receipts to prove it. But our ability to practice active and intentional patience is all a part of the process. Look at Zoom. Zoom was founded in 2011. And in the past month, there has been a 535% increase in daily traffic. It's taken nine years for it to peak. Nine. So what makes us so desperate to get to the height of our success stories when most of the stories we follow have been in the making for decades? Why do we need it right now? Why are we so desperate? What do we have to prove? Are we even ready for the life that we say that we want? Think about it. Seriously, think about it. So how does the lack of patience show up in our life and work? First thing, being afraid of looking like a beginner and needing to be an expert from the jump. There are so many ways our lack of patience show up. This is 100% one of them. In this day and age, everything is fast-tracked. Microwaves, access to information is literally a screen away. Delivery can be done in a matter of minutes. And why wait to arrange a sit-down and catch up with your friend when you can seriously just scroll from the comfort of your own home? Society fosters impatience and yet rewards the patient and diligent. How crazy is that? This fear of looking like a beginner and needing to be an expert from the jump shows that we don't have the patience to learn and practice and master the skills that is required to build the level of success that we need. How do you master a skill without practice? How do you fail forward when you're actually not doing anything? You know, how do you build resilience without crisis? A lot of people, and I'd say people, a lot of us aren't willing to take a step back and really put our heads down and work and really just work without needing a timeline, without needing it to show up for us right now, but really just work and trust that when the time comes, it will come. Second way that our inability to practice patience shows up in our life and work, choosing pleasure over purpose. I'm 100% a believer in having a purpose for your life and your existence. It gives you a sense of direction. Who do you want to become? How do you want to live your life? How do you want to be remembered? Direction empowers better decision-making. And in the practice of patience, it is easier to be patient when you know what you're waiting for. It gives you more incentive to delay gratification, which is the ability to delay the impulse for an immediate reward to receive a more favorable or valued reward in the future. Most people act out of impulse. If we're very honest with ourselves, sometimes we choose pleasure over purpose. You know, we choose the thing that may feel good right now but we know that it is not necessarily what we needed to do. Sometimes we, we choose to sleep in when we know for a fact we need to be up an hour earlier or we choose to eat things that may feel good but make us unwell later on because we don't have the patience to say, okay, you know what, all the self-discipline to say, this isn't what I need 
right now. Delayed gratification is a game of patience and discipline, but it is worth it and it takes practice and it takes time. The third thing, making announcements instead of movements. I have a love-hate relationship with social media. I'll be the first one to admit admit that. In many ways, it has made us more impatient with our growth, our journey, and our success. It is the one place we know that we can talk about what we're going to do and that we're moving in silence, (laughs) that, you know, we can share cryptic messages of all the effort we're seemingly putting in. But when push comes to shove, we have no evidence of the work. Don't fall into that trap of making announcements instead of movements. Don't announce, reveal. Announcements don't always have evidence of anything. It can be mere intention, but revelation, that is a matter of uncovering, sharing what has been hidden in a world where it is seemingly hard. And there's this notion that if you aren't talking or posting about it, it is not happening. Know that the best thing you can do is to take a step back, double down on the work and stop talking until you have something to really talk about. Don't join the circus. You don't need to prove that you are working, that you're committed, that you are showing up because eventually the tree bears fruit and that's your moment. Don't be so focused on sharing the journey that you stop doing the work, that you share more about the journey than you actually commit to doing the work. So how do we deal with this lack or we build better patience? Again, we're going straight back to this. Seek clarity on your life's mission, your vision, and your value. Again, what do you want your life to look like? What do you want it to feel like? What is most important to the legacy that you leave behind? How do you want to be remembered? What is your mission? What do you want to leave behind? What do you want to enjoy the most? How do you want to really live? Those are questions that you've really got to ask yourself. What do you want to master? Those questions are important. Those questions direct your decision making. Those questions would put you in the driver's seat of your own life. And you get to dictate whether you choose purpose over pleasure, whether you commit to simply doing the work versus trying to announce it at every moment. Whether you humble yourself and choose to be the beginner because you know that at some point when you put in enough work, you'll become the expert. Second thing, focus on the process, not the outcome. The process is where the purpose is, who you become, what you learn, how you grow, how you navigate navigate difficult waters and bounce back from setbacks. The process is where success is built. When you focus on the journey, you allow yourself to take charge of your every day and trust in the fact that if you stay committed to the process, at some point, like I said, the tree bears fruit, at some point, the outcome and result must show up. I'm a believer that if you work consistently and excellently and you show up, at some point, somebody's going to notice. You know, that's the law of attraction period. But focus more on the process. 
not just the result, because things change. You know, sometimes things take a lot more time. And if you're desperate for the results just, and you don't allow yourself to cultivate the joy in that journey, you make it so much more harder because all you're focused on is what you can get versus who you can become, what you can learn. And third thing, normalize discomfort. Being uncomfortable is this really big thing that people don't like. Our brains just tell us, move, you know, get up, go, find comfort somewhere. You know, you're upset and your first thing is to soothe yourself versus sitting in that discomfort and navigating why you're so upset and what is bothering you. And it is the same thing with when you're pursuing something for your life and you're pursuing success, whatever that definition is for you. Sometimes you're going to have to be uncomfortable and you're going to have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. You're going to have to have difficult conversations. You're going to have to learn and train yourself to sit and wait, even when it's uncomfortable, even when you're desperate to make a move, even when you really want to show up and remind people who you are and what you're doing, you're going to have to sit with that discomfort because end goal is more important than the way that you're feeling all the time. If you navigate life only by your feelings, you will struggle because feelings aren't facts at all. They tell us one thing. They don't tell us the full story. And so you've got to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And so those are the three things that I think fundamentally that we need to start looking at. Our need for perfectionism, the way that we seek motivation over discipline, and finally, our inability to practice intentional and active patience. And so I wanted to leave you with um, a quote by someone that I really admire, Courtney Brand Agbatella, founder of The B Word. And she says this, I'm here to remind you that you can do hard things. What you think is hard is probably just unfamiliar. You can do new things, things you're an expert at now were once new to you. And three, what you see yourself doing in your mind doesn't have to live there. You can bring it to life. Now, go be great. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Work Thrive, the podcast. If you liked this episode, don't forget to subscribe, rate and review on Apple Podcasts as it allows other ambitious women like yourselves to find the show. And if you want to join the community, head over to Instagram and follow us at WorkThrive. Speak soon. Hold up. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.